Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. Father, we love you. I just never need to really tell him, Father, we love you. And Lord, we open up our hearts to receive your love. You love us. You're not angry at us. You're not disappointed in us. You're not trying to punish us. You're running beside us in this race, this good race. You're right beside us, Lord. You're actually closer than beside us. You're inside of us because we can't even run this race unless you're inside of us. So Lord, I ask now that every person here, as they recognize that we are running this race of faith, this good race, and we're looking to the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. He's doing a work in us that's eternal. And I just want every person here to kind of close your eyes for a minute and literally see Jesus is inside of you by his Holy Spirit. Not, not little dinky inside of you, like he's filling up every single part of you. And he is the power to run this race. Amen. He's the power to overcome all evil. He's the power to break free from all entanglements. All the power that you'll ever need is inside of you if you're born again. Lord, we thank you for such a privilege of being new creations in Christ Jesus. Amen. I just want me to get this. You got to get this. If Christ does not live inside of you, if you, if you don't understand that, then you're not born again. So what is it to be born again? It's to recognize that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he actually came as he came in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us so that he could run this race called humanity and overcome the enemy at every single obstacle. The same way we would be able to with Christ in us. See, Jesus Christ didn't run this race as a man left on his own. Adam did and failed. Amen. Does anybody know that if it wasn't Adam, if it was you who were the first human being to run the race, you would have failed? Okay, does everybody get that? So when, we, when they act as if Jesus, as the second Adam, was fully human and ran the race, I don't buy it. Because Jesus knew from the foundations of the world that he was going to come and die for us. Which means he knew that Adam was not going to succeed at that race. Amen? So what's the purpose? The purpose was to show us that he had something else in mind instead of just our humanity. He was looking for a people who wanted to have the divine nature of God inside of them. That's the biggest mystery, not the rest, not how Jesus became uh, the word of God, the very word, the very heart, the emotions, everything God ever spoke or thought 
walked forth from the Father, the only begotten of the, the Father, somehow powerfully, Holy Spirit, Father, put everything that God is in a seed and planted that in Mary. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us because he was going to show us not what Adam could have done. He was going to show us what we can do now. And the reason we can do it and run this race is because God lives inside of us. Whoa. Amen. On every, is there anybody here not born again? <laughs> we'll tell, I'll talk to them and we'll talk to them about Jesus and see if we can get that changed. Okay, if you're born again, I want you to get this revelation really real. God lives inside of you by his spirit. That's pretty cool. Don't you think that's pretty cool? And if nothing in your life has the divine nature happening, you don't get the revelation. You're, you're, you're still living in your brain and not by your spirit. And what we want to learn in this race and what we better learn as we enter in these days we're into now, which we're, everybody's in pretty much agreement that we're somewhere, we're in the days uh, where Jesus says, this is the days of sorrow. This is the days of travail. This is the days of like a woman who's about to give birth and, and then the, the pains come and then the hard thing comes and then, then it calms down. Then it comes again. And anyone who's ever had a baby, you realize the closer you get to delivery, the faster and the more powerful those waves come. Amen? And so we're just in the beginnings of that. So how many want the endurance? Now, so even if we die before Christ returns, we're still in that season. Remember, a day is like a thousand years to God. Amen? And he calls the seasons. And he called this a season. So it's a brand new time. It's not going to ever go back. It's, it's been changing and changing. It's been changing the last 20 years. Since technology came, things have really changed a lot. Amen? So do we, know, do we know when he's coming? No. It'll be like the days of Noah. Well, what was the biggest indicator about the days of Noah? Sexual perversion. <clears throat> Sexual perversion was the biggest issue in the days of Noah. How many would say that between the media, technology, and easy access to perversion, we're probably worse than the days of Noah? It's everywhere. For all the good that the internet does to spread the gospel, it's probably spreading a lot more stuff. Before you had to sneak into places to get filth and try to hide your face and get out. Nowadays, you, you don't have to do any. It's, you can have it 24-7. Probably worse than we could ever imagine, which I don't even want to imagine. The Lord was just putting on my heart um, I had this weird dream, I won't get into it, but I woke up just knowing how filthy what we're trying to say normal is. Just filthy, just pure filth. And it's all throughout the church too. It doesn't make anybody feel better about themselves. You can scream and yell all you want that it's normal, but what's not normal, you know it's not normal. Amen? So I was praying, I said, we've got to get to a place to not only be free from filth, amen? and unclean things, but to have a compassion for those who are bound 
and then to begin to ask God for the power to set people free. A church that just tells you what's wrong with you, but doesn't have the answer, is not helping you. Amen? Most people can't even go up to the altar call for some of their issues because they'd be so ashamed and because they're afraid they won't get any help. And to realize that it's not just in their brains. This is spiritual and people need deliverance. Amen? And so as we're running this race that we've been talking about, we need to recognize that we want to get to the power of God. So anyway, so I was interceding and praying this morning. Well, in the middle of the night, whatever. It's like two. If it's after 2 a.m., it's morning. And Lord began to put on my heart, the church needs compassion for what the people are bound to. We need compassion, not for the sin, but for the person who's bound to the sin. And it's easy to point. And we have to recognize what young people have already gone through and what young people are going to go through, which is a normalization of perversion. And our generation, you know, people were sinning, but they at least recognized what was perverted. Like, like you didn't, you didn't think it was normal. If you were, if you knew somebody in perversion, or you were in perversion, you knew it was wrong. So there's been a seared conscience and, and our culture is increasing in that. So we've got, I think people are sick of it. I think anyone who really plays in any kind of sin or gets bound to something, there's something deep in them because they remain the image of God that wants to get free. But I think too many people don't even know how to get free. And so first thing we have to do is get rid of the shame. In, in Christ, amen? You should have shame and guilt until Christ comes along into your life. Until Christ comes into your life, you should be full of shame and full of guilt. To not be has to take on a demon to sear your conscience. And so, but the church has to have compassion. The Lord was showing me the key to power is to have the compassion of Christ. The compassion that knows, look what the enemy's done to this person and look what, who they would be. Look at the life they could have. Look at the eternity they could have. How do we rescue them? Amen? And we have to start with getting rid of the perversions in our lives. Amen? You don't compare whose perversion is worse than someone else. You just recognize, what does, this, what does the word perversion mean? It's perverted from what God's intention was. Okay? It's the opposite of God's intention. It got away from God's intention. So part of the thing is to go and understand what was his intention. You know, so whenever we, before we do a wedding or whatever, we have everybody listen to the teaching on what's God's intention for marriage. There's actually a reason that God chose marriage. There's a reason that he, he made them male and female. There's a reason why together they have children. Everything is for God's glory. Everything, the, every relationship on the earth and everything that's created was for God's good pleasure. Everything was created to glorify God. Everything is about God. Amen? Even a lot of the teaching today, it's more about us and what man is doing and how, you know, I don't even care what man is doing. What is Christ doing in us? Amen? What is Christ doing in us? Because Jesus Christ demonstrated because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? It never says anywhere in scripture that Adam was ever filled with the spirit. I actually don't believe he was. I personally don't believe he left the garden. 
until he had to. And I believe the garden was perfect. And in like, it's like putting your, you know, put your fish in an aquarium and he's got all these boundaries. If you keep the oxygen or whatever you put in the water for fish to breathe or whatever, I don't know what they breathe, but whatever it is you breathe in there, have that all balanced, right? You have to have everything balanced. You have the right food, the right plants, all this stuff. Don't ask me, all my fish would die. But anyhow, <laughs> I, I used to have frogs in an aquarium. They all jumped out. Like, get me out of here. <laughs> so, not, not my big thing. But the environment was perfect as long as they did not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything was taken care of by God. And God came to visit them every single day and hang out with them. And I'll be honest with you, you will not find a scripture, or if you do show it to me, where Adam had any other kind of existence except that kind of existence with Eve. I believe they fell really quickly. Why? Because they have no children. I mean, come on, it doesn't take long. And if you don't believe me, talk to Talia and Caleb. <laughs> it's like, whoop, there goes nine months. Oh, pregnant again. Oh, <laughs> As they say, if, if you don't use birth control, what do they call you? A parent. <laughs> Unless you're struggling with, with infertility and then God's the healer. Amen? So I always laugh. I'm like, oh, so did you want children so soon? Well, <laughs> but I want you to get this. God knew there was going to be something greater for mankind than what Adam and Eve had. And that's why the Bible says the angels were amazed. They couldn't believe it when they saw the Holy Spirit came inside of human beings. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? And you can't run this race without understanding that and recognizing he's not trying to get you to run by yourself. He actually is the power to run the race. So remember, what does he say? Nothing's impossible for him. There's nothing he cannot set you free from unless you don't believe it or unless the enemy has you convinced that you don't need to be free. And then you really need to stop and decide, what li do I want the life God has for me? The, the worst thing I think the church has done overall is we've made it look like a really boring race, this thing called Christianity. Because most of what Christianity is right now is hid knowledge and rules to follow, right? But what if it was a real relationship with God and you actually talked with him and hung out with him and all those gifts operated and some people he takes and shows you things and, and um, here we release power, we've been releasing powerful angels into spiritual warfare and, and it's really real. And he has a peace that passes understanding. What if God has a supernatural peace that passes understanding. What if, what if he's so real? And so I think the biggest problem in the church is that most of the church does not know how real God is. And so you do an altar call prayer, and I believe you do get I believe Holy Spirit comes in because you ask Jesus Christ as Lord, you ask him in. But that's it. Then you don't realize, why did he come in? What is his goal when he comes inside of us? Because you've got to understand this race. What is Holy Spirit's goal when he comes inside of you? Okay. Yeah. His real, I believe his main reason for coming inside of us is to make us 
into the bride of Christ, to make us into the image of Christ. Amen? And so you need to recognize this. He gets in there and he takes inventory. Do you know how scared those demons and you are when you get born again? They're like, oh, there's a new guy on the block. And you don't get instant deliverance the minute you get born again. Wouldn't it be nice if you did? And it's a lie when people tell you you do. And if you're really bound to something, you know that's a lie. It doesn't have to be a lie. But remember, we're running this race called faith. Everything that happens for us happens out of two, one power source, the source of the Holy Spirit, two ways that power operate. One way is faith. And that's the race you're on. You are growing in your faith in Jesus Christ. And he promises you you're going to have trials. And what does he tell you? To count it all joy. I've got to tell you all something. Y'all don't always count it joy. Maybe sometimes when it's over and you're telling the good stories. I determined and decided to count it joy at the beginning. And I mean it. Why? Because I'm going to get closer to God. Why? Because you're in a trial? No, because I'm going to hang on. I'm going to be the, I'm, I'm the, I'm going to cling to God. When the devil's attacking me, I'm not letting go of Jesus. Not that I let go of him otherwise, but I'm certainly not going to let go. I'm not going to listen to the enemy's lies. I'm going to talk to God when I wake up. I'm going to talk to God when I'm going to sleep. I'm going to be in the word. And so I'm going to grow in my relationship with God. I'm going to run the race, right? And remember we talked about in those worksheets, those things that entangle us, those sins that slow us down those weights that are heavy on us, those things get removed when we overcome in this race. And we're becoming more like Christ. So we're opening up to get closer to him. We're catching on. We have to read his word and understand him. God does not make us sin. Okay? If God was trying to punish us and show us how bad we were, why did he pay for all of our sins and go through so much torment and literally hell if all he wants to do is tell us how bad we are? God knows more than you do how awesome you are. See, I agree with him about me. I agree with God about me. I, I think he's going to make me awesome. Amen? And in this race, when he shows me something like he was just showing me this week as I'm fighting this frozen shoulder thing, first of all, I should have never agreed I had a frozen shoulder. And once you agree, you're going to fight it. And it's harder then. Or it's sink. Because now all of a sudden, now I've got to overcome why the enemy could give me a frozen shoulder. And I had one before, so I, I overcame before, so I don't, so I must have missed something. Amen? Satan has to have a legal right in the life of a believer to bring disease on them, sickness on them, poverty on them, anything that God promises us um, as his children, as a promise, of, as Abraham's seed, for that not to be real, Satan has to have planted a lie in us or got something of his personality in us 
or has kept us in some bondage and lie, religious lie or something. Does everybody get that? So basically, when you're in a trial as a believer, all of a sudden the enemy's going, uh-uh, I still own this. I still own this. I can manifest this as a sickness. Or for in my case, I can manifest this as a shoulder that um, gets frozen. If you don't know what that is, it's a real goofy thing. Nobody totally understands it. I mean, you'll read what the doctors say. It makes a little sense because there's some kind of um, like an airbag <laughs> in your joint there. And it's supposed to have a lot of water. And I've always fought dehydration. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I need to drink more water. And, and so I think this was part of a dehydration problem. Because I don't know. She, where's, where's um, Kim? Good gosh, Kim is walking around with a gallon. Show, I couldn't carry that thing. She's got a gallon. Look, show, stand up and show them. Look at that. This is her water bottle. Where's... <laughs> That's her water bottle. Here's what I'm hoping to get down today. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I, I literally have to make myself drink. Like, okay, I'll get up and drink. Oh, go get, get something to drink. I don't really almost ever get thirsty. So I'm praying about that. because it's. But I get very thirsty for God. So that's what I'm like, what is this, Lord? You know, what's going on? Anyway, so when you're running this race and the enemy attacks you with something, Okay, I'm not talking about pretended faith and denial. This is where it gets real individual. Because what could be denial for you is some, me really waiting on the Lord. Like, I don't go to a doctor until God tells me to go to a doctor. I don't go to a doctor first because I'm going to get a diagnosis that I'm wanting to hear what's wrong with me. And then I got to fight from, oh, this is wrong with me. I fight it first. So by the time I go to a doctor, if I go to a doctor, they won't find anything wrong. Now, if you got pretended faith and you do that, you might die. So it's not good to do. Until you're already walking with the place with God and he's showing you and changing you and teaching you. Amen. And if you ever go to a doctor... You go to the doctor to hear what the devil's up to so that you can go to God and say, why is the devil up to this? Okay? So you got to recognize in this walk, in this race, let's say run, please let us run. It's not about pretending that the enemy's not real and he's not attacking you. That's called denial. It's about going to your God, not the devil, and asking God, what's going on? So, just because I told you when I'm walking through this frozen shoulder thing. So, what's a frozen shoulder? Basically, my arm can go this high, no higher. It can go that, ooh, ow, that one hurts. That, ooh, it really hurts. I cannot put it behind me. Isn't that crazy? This is kind of cool. So, what has God shown me so far? Well, first of all, I shouldn't have received it. Amen. And, um, but I did. Okay, so don't pretend you didn't when you did. Okay? So now I have to overcome it. So I'm asking the Lord, why? So I'm in my race. I'm just telling you my race. Okay, my faith race. And I've got lots of faith. Amen? You've, you've known the stories. There's lots of faith. Turn typhoons and just amazing wild stuff. Honestly, one day I need to write down all the stories. You, there's so many. So I'm like, okay, Lord. So... 
So what's the first thing that you should do? Not legalistically, but because you want to know. How many know? Nowadays, if you have internet, how many know as soon as you start getting some kind of little symptom for something, you look up what the medical people say? How many do that? None of y'all do? All right, raise your hand if you ever try to self-diagnose something on there. Okay. Yeah, huh? Well, you can look it up. I don't care. It's not legalism. I'm just saying, why do you do that? So that you can rule out that you have it or so that you can see what to do without having to go to a doctor so that you can do whatever, okay? Or so that you know, you go and tell the doctor what you have and pay them to tell you you're right. So anyway, unless you're one of those really paranoid people and you look at the worst thing, you know, like, like you go to the worst, the worst scenario of this is, you know, Cancer throughout your body, untreatable. And it's like, you know, it's really, you, you got a sinus problem or something, you know. But so, so I don't recommend those things necessarily. But the Lord taught me a long time ago when my son was really sick and no matter what I did and how much I had pretended faith and tried not to deal with it, he got so sick we had to deal with it. Amen. And so then the Lord taught me, when you go into the doctor, listen to what his expertise is seeing. Don't receive it. Don't come in agreement with it, but bring it back to me and let's see how to fight it. So I went from, no, we're not going to the doctor. No, we're not going to the doctor. Two, okay, let's hear what he says today. And I'd sit there and they said, well, your son has blah, 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 blah. It was really bad stuff. And I would just sit there. Okay, okay. You know, I never say I agreed. I never did agree. I'd always usually say, well, I believe God's going to heal him. I didn't say it arrogantly like I used to because I'd been humbled by then. And when Mitchell finally finished at King's Daughters 14 years later, back and forth, the doctor said to me, Cindy, you got what you prayed for. He didn't only say my son didn't have cancer. He told me my son would never have cancer. Ho! You know nobody could tell you that except God talking through them. Amen? So... Anyway, but they were thrilled because I wasn't a religious jerk making them feel like they were doing something bad. I became a team player trying to help my son through my part of prayer and seeing what their expertise showed them and working with them to keep him alive long enough for healing to hit his body. Amen? So we need to all grow up. The church needs to grow up. Amen? And we need to recognize what's What's going on? And so, so with this shoulder so far, so first thing you do, just like you go, I'm not saying you go and look up what the doctors say, but let's be real, most of us do. How about we go in the word of God and look what God has to say? So for this frozen shoulder thing, basically it doesn't affect your hand, it affects your arm. So I looked up the right arm of the Lord which has to do with his power. First, I looked up shoulder, which was kind of cool because it got me into a real place of conviction because it talks about in Job where, because Job, it says something about his shoulder, but basically it came down to he was self-righteous. So I'm like, oh, Lord, you're not telling me I'm self-righteous, are you? And the Lord said, well, yes, we are. And I'm like, but Lord, I know that there's nothing without you. I know it's kind of like um, somebody brings us water and they sit it here. See? See what I do with water? 
I am thirsty now though. So, so somebody put the water there. And I'm sitting here praying, God, I'm so thirsty. Please give me some water. God, I'm going, I want water. Lord, please give me water. Oh Lord, I need water. I'm so thirsty. Let's say you're like really thirsty, like dangerous thirsty. Okay. He said, Lord, I need a miracle. I need water. And then you look over and there's a water bottle. You're like, no, no, I want God to bring me water. And so then, of course, you're trying to make God do something that's already been done. Okay. Your healing has been done. Your prosperity has been done. Your relationship healings have been done. Every promise you can find in God's word has already been done. He will not do anything more. So when you're running this race, recognize it's all done. So when we spend all our time begging God to heal us, begging God to fix a relationship, begging God to do this and that, he's already done it in this, as far as the spirit realm is concerned, okay? So we need to change our prayers. And, and so we need to study his word to find out why is this promise in this race of faith, why is this not working for me? What does bitterness say? It's God. He doesn't love me. Uh, he has favorites. It's because of my race. It's because of my gender. It's because of where I live. It's because of this. It's because of that. It's because I was hurt. It's because, amen? So we begin to make up excuses and we blame God, which causes what? Bitterness. Okay, bitterness defiles many. Bitterness will destroy your life. Bitterness keeps you on a poor me. Poor me. You just don't understand. If you just knew, you have no idea. You have no idea what it's like to be me. You have no idea what it's like to have been brought up in that family or that country or this and that. Guess what? I don't have to know. Why? Because I know God. Here's what we should say. You have no idea how great it is to belong to God. You have no idea how everything changes when his spirit comes inside of me. You have no idea how in his kingdom he takes care of everything. You have no idea how he's a God that blesses and blesses and blesses. <laughs> you have no idea. You have no idea. Amen? We need to change the way we're thinking so we can run the right race. So, so when my arm zapped me, I was, I was mad. Not mad. I was like, I was more mad. Like, how, why didn't I go to God before I just let this get to this? And then, and then I confessed it um, with my mouth, which gives it authority and power to be there. So now I have to get a healing. Amen. Now I'm not stopping the enemy from doing something he was up to. Now I have to get healed. But that's okay. Why? Because he already poured out healing. So now I have to get from where I am in this race to healing, okay? So everybody here, take a minute and think of something that you're in this race of faith that you're believing God for. Anybody want to share what you're believing God for? So she's believing God for some finances or somebody to give her a car. So she's believing for a car. Yes. Total healing for her whole body. All right. Total healing. What else is anybody believing for? Your ear to be healed. All right. All right, so when you have an issue, this should be a normal part of your race, amen? Running the right race. This should be a normal, mm. what do you go, I'm bored. How can you be bored when there's so much you could do just talking to God? Amen. 
there's worship in him. There's listening to different teaching. There's sitting down with him and having a serious conversation about your issues. Amen. There's time for him to show you where your heart's wrong. All these things. I'm, I'm like, you could spend all day just hanging out with God, people. And it's not all a party. Let me see if it's all a party. I don't think you're hanging out with God. My goodness, Isaiah goes into the presence of God. Ezekiel, any of these go in the presence of God. Right away, they know they are so unqualified. Right away, they see their sin and they ask God to cleanse them and to help them. Amen? Right away. We got people who act like they hang out with God all the time and they just walk around sinning. You're not hanging out with God if you're walking around sinning unless while you're hanging out with God, he's helping you see your issues as part of it. Amen? As part of it. Okay. First of all, so first thing you have to do is you got to count it joy. So every person, everybody just told their issue, right? So right now say, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you. that you're going to set me free. From this, issue. from this issue and I'm counting it joy, counting it joy. to find out how we're going to do that this is going to be fun this is going to be interesting because you are faithful even when I'm not you know exactly you know exactly exactly what lies are in me what bondage is, is in my life you know how it got there? You know everything about it. This isn't something for me to try to figure out. This is something for me to talk to you about. So I'm going to. So hello, Dad. Can we talk? Wow. Give me wisdom. You promise. To give me wisdom if I ask. Do you believe that? So what do we got to worry about? We got this God who says, come talk to me. Even one of his names is counselor. And he says, I got, the, all you got to do is ask for wisdom. I'm going to give it to you. Amen. I'm going to give you the wisdom. Okay. So then you start that. You're, this is part of your race. If it's a sin issue, then that's something he says you've got to get free from because it's holding back your race with him. It keeps getting in your way. Now, let me say this. How many, some of you I know, like with you or some of you, you've had the same issue a long time and you're like, gosh, when can we get to the other side of this? Okay. First thing to know is whatever things you've already done, you've really already done. So if you're writing the notebooks, which I really strongly suggest, because what they do is they help you not go in circles and circles and circles and circles. You can know, okay, we, God and I talked about this. God and I talked about this. God and I talked about this. And get some scripture for those things. Amen? So if I'm running this race, I want to know all the issues. So for me, with the shoulder thing, I went, and at first I looked up everything that had to do with right, because it was my right side. And then I looked up everything that had to do with, with right hand, but I realized my hand's fine. So then I found arm. The first thing that I showed you from shoulder, this little strange scripture in Job talked about he had a problem with his shoulder and it was because he had become self-righteous. Now, if you know the story of Job, which I do very well, is all the other people were accusing Job and they were wrong. And Job knew he was living right with God. Job knew that, that God favored him. Job knew 
all these good things between him and God. And so he really wasn't letting these other people affect him. And neither was God because they were wrong. They were wrong and their hearts were wrong. But then Job began to talk enough to make it sound like this was all God's fault. And then Job started bragging on himself as if God was the one messing up. And then God steps in. That fourth friend is really the Holy Spirit. And from God's heart. And then God actually even starts speaking prophetically in that part of Job. And tells Job, who do you think you are? So you can actually go from a place of actually seeing right, doing right, understanding things, understanding God, and then begin to think it's about you. So the Lord began to say to me, because I know that he put the water there. And I know it doesn't matter what I do if I'm thirsty and there's absolutely nothing to drink anywhere. I cannot get help. Right? No matter what I do. No, I could go pump a well, but there's no water there. I can open every refrigerator in town, but there's no drinks there. I can, you see, if there's no liquid that you can drink that won't kill you, you're going to stay thirsty till you die, which doesn't take that long, right? So I began to pat myself on the back because I knew how to go get the water. I knew how to get a healing. I knew how to stop typhoons. I knew how to believe for finances. I knew how to go to God and get my heart changed. I knew how to do all these things. But if they weren't there, if his blood hadn't covered it, if his Holy Spirit didn't live inside me, if there wasn't a relationship, nothing that I would do would add up to anything. Isn't that cool? See, you can go from being really totally dependent upon God and still being dependent upon God but beginning to pat yourself on the back because you know how to flow in the things of God as if that were the main thing. Does everybody get that? And so that began me going, okay, well, my shoulders, I, I was feeling some freedom with my shoulder. So then it started hurting my arm a little bit more, like down my arm. So I said, so I, so I went and looked up the right arm of the Lord, which is only, I think, one scripture that says that. But that scripture is talking about his power. So as I've been talking to the Lord, and it's, it's doing a little better, the Lord said, you know, you've been, how did I get to this scripture? So then I'm talking with God, and he tells me to go to something in Amos, even last night. Amos is rough. Anyone who doesn't think that God really is going to let his enemies have it by the end of time, if everybody doesn't think that what is in the book of Revelations isn't really going to happen, they have made up a fake image of God. I mean, God, God calls it his wrath. He calls it like, he's like, if you don't accept me, you're in big trouble. Hell's really bad, people. And God is the person who created hell. And God is the one who sees if your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, and if it's not, open the floor and drop down. We've got to quit acting as if God isn't able to be righteous. We're not people's judge, but he is the final judge, and it's real. And we have so watered down the gospel that people keep sinning and think it's no big deal. 
It's a really big deal. The Bible even says that some barely get in as snatched from the flames. The Bible's so serious about it that God says, turn them over to Satan that their soul might get saved. So we need to get to the real gospel. We need to understand the real God. Because he is awesome. But you know what? It is a horrible thing to fall into the hands of God and not be saved. So we need that reverent, reverent fear of him. So, so the Lord's telling me, he says, so, so I read through Amos and there's something in there about compassion and something else. I forgot what the word was. But anyway, so I look it up and it was kind of weird because it actually talked about, um, uh, compassion having to do with the womb because it's about your bowels of compassion and and there was a word there where it gets where it gets um, if you want to say hardened and Lord said you know Cindy you want my power and I was talking to somebody I've been asking God for his power um, for at least 20 years like I have his anointing Ho. Oh. And, and I, I, can, I can move in the gifts and, and really, really pretty powerfully, to be quite honest. But I know there's a power. Like when Jesus got out of the boat and the man who was completely demonized with 6,000 demons came running at him that no one could control. That let's all be serious. We'd all be jumping back in that boat. And yet he walked right there and that man came running to him and had enough desire to be free to fall at his feet. And the demons, knowing that Jesus purposely came to set that man free. How good is God? Goes on a boat ride after a big day of ministry. Falls asleep because he wore himself out for real ministering to people. The devil's trying to stop it. So he sends a storm to stop Jesus from getting to this man. And Jesus rebukes the storm. And rebukes his disciples for not having faith. And goes back to sleep probably. I think actually right then they were there. After all that he gets out. And this crazy man, crazy, crazy, crazy man. Who was beyond human strength. Comes running to him. And Jesus completely sets him free in his right mind. That's the power I want. Ho! The kind of power that God says, that they're going, they stinketh, they've been dead four days. And you're like, that don't matter. Come out. Does anybody else ever seriously ask God for that kind of power? Well, do you think we're going to get it very easily? Why? God lives in us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One of the scariest things up and coming are going to be the people who get a hold of power but without the right heart and start killing people in church. They say it's Ananias and Sapphira, but it's really them and the devil. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be this apostolic move that's about to hit our nation. Y'all have never seen anything like it. And the counterfeit is going to be horrific. And people who like to be controlled and people who like tyrants. I'm going to tell you, 
People who think they need somebody to protect them instead of God, y'all need to get free. Anybody watching, you need to get free. You're going to fall for it. You're going to fall for this false signs and wonders. You're going to fall for this false demonstration of power. And God, so, but if you get power, if you get to a place of power and Satan can steal that from you by, by bringing you into deception, Satan now gets to use that power. So how many know there's probably good reason we're not many of us walking in power yet? My goodness, right now you get a little anointing. You got to write a book. You got to sell your book. You got to market your book. You got to charge $120 for somebody to come to your meeting. You've got to do this. You got to do that. And Jesus went in and t tore over the changing tables, you know, just when they tried to come and pay their, um, whatever they had to pay, the rituals of the day. My gosh, right now you can't, right now you can watch it. I'm not being mean. You can watch it. If somebody had a true prophecy and all of a sudden they start getting some, uh, limelight for it all of a sudden you know they're superstars i'm not judging them god wants to get this stuff out of our heart amen he's going to get this out of our heart god wants to trust us with his power so how does he do that he kills you i no longer live but christ lives in me he 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 has allowed the enemy on the planet to do a work he lets him out again after a thousand year reign for the same thing. The same thing he did in heaven. Let him see who wants to follow Satan. And then they can have it. Amen. So God isn't trying to win everybody. God's trying to, God is seeing who wants him. It's not who does he want. He died for the whole world. Now Satan's here to say who wants him. And who wants evil. Amen. And our hearts have got to decide, I want God and not evil. We just have to decide that. And so when the Lord's like, you know, Cindy, you hardened your heart. And it took me back to Labor Day. Labor Day, how many remember the Jerry Lewis telethons? They, they, they used to be like almost three-day event, or like two whole days. And I would watch that whole thing. I would, I would sit up and watch the whole thing. For years, and I would cry for the 48 hours, however long the thing was. And I would cry, and I would cry. My mom goes, I, I used, to, used to scare me you would sit there and cry so much. And I would just cry, and I would cry. And the Lord was showing me, you know, I, ha I have a cousin who's deaf and has very extreme cerebral palsy. And people would make fun of her, and I was probably her only real friend. And I loved going over there, and I would go places with her, and I would take up for, like, somebody would try to imitate how she was walking or something. And I was like, I would get in their face, like, you leave her alone, and <laughs> you know, all this. And, um, and I was a real friend to her. I didn't treat her like there was something wrong with her. I treated her like anybody else. Amen? And so I just had a lot of compassion. And... When Lauren died, and I began to really learn the ways of the Lord in a deeper measure, then I believe it's a family curse, but a, a generational curse that our family kind of has of being tough. You can, if you know my dad, you know my brothers, you know what I'm talking about. Dad's like, yes, I can vouch for that. It's this thing where, you know, we're really, t I'll, I'll even, I would say, I have a really high tolerance of pain. Like I'm boasting about it. Like everybody said, well, if it hurt you, it had to, it must really hurt. But the Lord showed me. 
He said, when you begin to know how this works, where Satan has authority, how, how it's not my will, and you're part in it, you begin to harden your heart. And what happened is the Lord showed me from the generational curse, because it's, it's usually not just one thing. This curse is like a toughness. And like almost a bullying kind of toughness thing. And so you have to start seeing that and hating that. He's been working on that, right? And then with this other thing, he began to show me. Because I sat down and I watched something where somebody had a car accident. Three of their kids died or something. It was terrible. And I'm boohooing again. I'm like, wow, Lord, I haven't cried for stuff like this in a long time. And then he's taking me back over things I thought about people who had horrible accidents and didn't say God was the healer and how judgmental I was when people who tried and tried to get healed but didn't get healed, but then they changed who God was because they didn't get healed. And then I became their judge because I knew they were wrong, but I didn't go through what they were going through. So who am I to touch it? Amen. And so Lord's like doing all this. This is this week. Amen. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want your power until you can trust me with your power. And I don't want any hard place in my heart. I don't want to use it to make money. Amen. I don't want to use it to have a big ministry. I don't want to use it for people to know who I am. I, I don't even, I only want, and the Lord showed me, he said, you know, you mainly wanted to, to reveal who I am, but I want you to also want it to heal people because I love people. I want them healed. They don't have to know all that I know or all that I've taught you to get healed. I want you to more care about healing them than about teaching them why they're messed up. Although you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. But you can't become to formulate that and become self-righteous about it. Amen? So I'm like, okay, Lord. And why am I telling you this? So what did God show you about your issue you just told me this week? And if nothing, why not? Because you haven't really sat down and God really had a conversation with him with your word open and try to see how do I change you. The reason I can count every trial joy for real is because I already know he's going to teach me something that's going to change me. I already know that Satan has no legal right except what I give him through a lie that I believe, through embracing something the, the enemy's done in my life, through, through getting an identity somewhere that I shouldn't have that identity. Amen. In other words, where I'm alive to me, Satan can come and mess with me. But where I'm dead and hidden in Christ, see, I mean, no, to really have that kind of power. And people are going to have it because they're going to get it illegally. But to have the power to glorify God, that kind of power. He said we're going to do greater works. Amen? Like, we need to start seeing this and recognize why he wants us to run this race and it not just be about us. God wants to be glorified and he wants to heal people. He went to hell and took stripes on his back and was beaten. I was thinking, you know, you got to admit, carrying that cross and being hung up there, he knows what joint pain feels like. I mean, when my arm hurts really bad, I'm thinking, good Lord, you had all the joints and your whole body yanked out at the same time. I don't know how you could stand that. It's like, you went through that to set me free. You went through that. How he went through what he went through. You know, it was supernatural that God would not let him die because only the father was in charge of when life came out of him. 
He, he should have died way, way before he hung on that cross that long. I mean, the Bible says they beat him so bad you couldn't tell he was a human being. That would kill most people. You think watching the Passion movie is hard? The real was so, so, he, I could still tell he was a human being in the Passion movie. What hate, what hate those Roman soldiers had? What hate, what, really, what hate the demons had? Every demon in hell got to attack him and sin itself got to go and get on him. And every demon you give into now was a demon that was there that attacked your Lord. And you're making that thing the Lord of your life instead of your Lord. It's sad. No wonder he hates sin. No wonder he hates sin. So when you look at the issues, you have to agree with God. I agree with God that he healed my arm. I agree it's already been poured out. I agree with it. Now, I can agree with it. It's okay if I go to the doctor and do the physical therapy stuff. I just don't really go to doctors much. I'm like, you know, they say, do your hand like this, but, you know, this. Then I got this other book. It said, you know, get these massages. I got a really good massage chair, actually. I've never used it, but now I am. And the reason you can't feel the pain in your arm is because the pain in your back after this chair hits you for a half hour. But it works for that, anyhow. And I, I even got a thing you turned upside down from when I had a synat when I had that um, synatic, what it was it called? Sciatic, sciatic nerve thing that I went to uh, those doctors who hit your back, um, chiropractor people, who said you're all be here the rest. They still send me Christmas cards and birthday cards and say, well, I haven't been to my next appointment. I went once, people. <laughs> like we're talking like 20 years ago now or 15 years ago. I went one. You'll never not have this. Yeah, if you're going to keep sitting here crunching my back and stuff, I'm sure I won't. But I'm like, I'm like I am not coming back. To I said, Lord, why am I here? He said, because I am humbling you because you think nobody has to go to doctors, so you're going. He said, pick any doctor you want, but you're going. I said, well, I'm going to pick a chiropractic doctor. And I got in there. They made me look at this little video about the body. So I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, teach me about your body. So he taught me about the body of Christ. I got that. I said, okay, I'm not ever coming back here again. Thank you, Jesus. That was it. Came here, was preaching. One time I was, I was preaching one time. I'd get an anointing. I couldn't feel a thing. I was running all around, but I couldn't even walk. That thing was bad. I got, I was running all around. I thought, yay, it's over. Yay. Then the anointing lifted. I'm back. I can't walk. And then I was here one day witnessing to community service workers following around, talking to them. Next thing I know, it was gone. Completely gone. Never came back. Years and years and years. The same, you know, I had the kidney stones. They don't go away by themselves. I had a picture of it. It was big. They're like, this got really hurt bad. <laughs> they gave me that kind of painkillers that a lot of people just run from doctor to doctor and try to get. I'm like, I don't need that. We're going to give you a bottle. I said, no, I don't want a bottle. You got to take at least one home because you cannot come back tonight. I said, I'm not coming back tonight. Oh, yes, you're going to come back tonight if you don't take this. So they gave me, they wanted to give me this, 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 all these things. They wanted a, a relaxer, muscle relaxer, and, and this painkiller. You need a bottle of painkillers. And, you know, it's going to take about 24 hours, but it's, we're hoping it'll come out. If not, we're going to do surgery and crunch it up and all this stuff. And he's like, like oh, it's a big one. It looks like something on a slide. It's like this little rock on a slide. I'm like, but the slide is smaller than the rock. I'm like, oh, this sounds fun. And 
I just, and y'all know the story, but this is true. Because remember, whenever David, you go back over what God has done for you before. Amen. You, you stir up your faith by remembering what he's done before. And I got lots of those stories. So I'm sitting there that night. Well, I tell my husband, he said, well, what do you want? I said, just get me some water and ginger ale. He said, well, you don't want me to go fill this prescription? No. You don't want me to do this? No. They were trying to put me on some drip thing there. I'm like, what are y'all doing? We're putting you on this drip. I said, I don't want any drip. Leave me alone. Well, you're, you're denying our instructions. I said, fine, I'll sign something. I'm denying your instructions. So I, they said, well, you can't come back tonight since you signed this. I said, I have no intentions of coming back tonight. I'm going to go home and deal with this. And um, I go, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, lady. I'm like, oh, Lord, help me. So... I only went because it felt like appendicitis and my husband made me go. But anyhow, we're happy. Wasn't that. But so I got home. I said, John, don't come upstairs no matter what. If I scream, yell, just don't come upstairs no matter what. Because I, I, I just, just, you don't need to see this. <laughs> this might not be pretty. He just, I said, he goes, well, what do you want from the store? I said, I don't want the muscle relaxer. I don't want the prescription. I said, all I want is water and ginger ale. It's okay. So we got a bottle of water and ginger ale. It's okay, honey. So then I was feeling better. I was already feeling better in the store. I started repenting in the hospital for a place of hardness of the heart that I had concerning something that we just had at church. And already it went from a pain of like nine down to like two or nothing. But I said, I said, I don't have any pain anymore. Like, well, there's no, way. I said, I don't have any pain anymore. I'm not taking this stuff. I'm going home. The way there's no way she'll be back. John, she'll be back. Don't let her come back, but you're going to go fill all this. And um, so I sat there with her. I said, Lord, I really repent. And all the pain pretty much went away. But how many know you sit there and you're thinking, oh no, because they're like, oh no, somewhere in the middle of the night tonight, this is going to really hit you. And, and they're saying what they really see, okay? Like there is a picture of that little sucker like on a slide, okay? The slide is in my body and little stone boy was <laughs> going to come down that slide that night, okay? It was at the top of the slide. I'm ready. <laughs> you know, like, Ooh, we, this is why you feel it. He's got himself in position. He's uh, coming down the slide. I'm like, okay then, all right. Can I turn upside down? Can we shake it? Can we shake him off the slide or something? <laughs> so I'm like, so, so, so I'm sitting there and, and I'm feeling like, I just cut this feeling this pain's going to come. So I'm just talking to God. I said, Lord, now here's, so I'm telling you what you have to do for your issue. Whatever you told me. And the more specific you are, the easier it is to get the real scriptures, to be honest. I said, Lord, what do I do? Give me a scripture. And he turned me to a Bible I almost never use, a different translation. And you know the scripture that says, um, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy? This particular translation said, Jesus came to dissolve the works of the enemy. I said, good, we're going to dissolve this. Because I said, I said, Lord, we kind of have a couple choices here. Like, you could just make this go down and not hurt. Because you carried my pain. You could just make this thing go away. Which is, a, which is a miracle. That's not a healing. That's a miracle. I said, so I'm just asking you, which one should I be 
believe in you for? Is this going to happen with no pain? Or are you just going to take this away? And he gave me that scripture. I said, that's cool. So I just remember I put out my hand and I said, Lord, I just believe you're going to dissolve this. And it's just like, it's going to go in your hand. You're going to dissolve it. I fell out, people. On my, I was on the bed, upstairs bed. I fell out. I went into the deepest, deepest sleep. Like, you know, if you've ever had that surgery where they knock you out, you don't know anything that happened. Those, that surgery that's kind of scary if you think about it. <laughs> anyway, and I slept like a log. My poor husband's out there waiting to hear me scream. <laughs> Her son's waking up all night. Is she all right? Is she dead? Is she all right? Is she making any noise? <laughs> so I wake up fine. I'm like, oh my gosh. No pain, nothing. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I, I, go, I go downstairs. John goes, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, God took it. He dissolved it. John's like, oh, are you sure? I said, yeah, yeah, he dissolved it. I came to church that Sunday. That was like on a Friday. I came to church. Everybody's like, oh, everybody watched me for like a good month. Like, is it back? Is it back? It's gone. He dissolved it. Because he wanted to show me the hardness of my heart is why then he was able to do it. There is a reason why Satan can be attacking you. You need to talk to God and find out why. I think the dream could have been for you. In the dream that I had, God showed me, I believe God showed me, but it was just strange, but a little baby with a perverted, either parent or perverted um, doctor or something, taking the baby's temperature, but with the spirit of perversion, which put an unclean spirit in a little baby that never knew why it had an unclean spirit. So, so you would never know. Because you could go through everything you know that you opened the door to unclean. You could renounce everything you ever opened your eyes to see. Any relationship you ever in. Any, perverted, any perversion you've ever been in, you need to repent of. Amen? You need to spend time with God and say, Lord, show me, teach me. We live in a completely perverted society. There are so few people who get through without some of this getting on them. How many know what I mean? We're not, we know we're not the choir. Amen? The choir needs deliverance too. Amen? I mean, there, there possibly could be, thank God, some really godly parents who raised godly children and broke generational curses and had these understanding. But let's face it, that's not the majority of Christians. And how much? No, it's not the world. How much? It's got to be worse. The world is terrible right now. So God doesn't change how he does things. Amen? Where's your scripture? You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. Where's that scripture? God says to his church, I've given all authority to you. So why don't I have the authority? Because whatever authority you've given to the devil, he's going to take. Life and death is in your tongue. What have you said? What have you let in your eye gates? What doors have you opened? So you go and you close any door that you've opened. Amen. You go in this race, hanging out with God. In your issue, you close the door. So if you're praying for your children, what did you do wrong in your parenting? that you need to now repent of. Now, if you've done it, write it in your notebook and let it be gone. You don't have to repent. If you really repent, okay, here's what repentance means. Oh man, God, I did that so wrong. 
I did not do that your way. Oh, God, forgive me. I wish I had known. I wish I had done it your way. Lord, God, please forgive me. And now I plead the blood of Christ over that area that I missed you, God. And I ask you to heal my children. I ask you to rescue them. Lord, show me anything you want me to do or that I need to do to make it right. And I'll do it. Amen? And then he'll show you. He may say, don't do anything. Just keep praying. He may say, give them a phone call, send them a letter, do this, do that. Amen, amen, amen. God is holy. You don't beat yourself up for sin that you've repented of. Don't go out in the graveyard and dig up the sin that was crucified with Christ. Amen. If you repented for being a lousy parent, and you really went over that, and you really know you repented, don't go out there with a shovel and dig your old self back up. <laughs> Give yourself back up. Oh my, hit your head, kill you again. Because I wish you had ever done that. That's a bad picture, sorry. <laughs> Get that picture out of your mind. Stay crucified with Christ, amen? Stay crucified with Christ. I no longer live what Christ lives in me. That person is dead and buried, amen? That person who, if you were a person who abused your children, you weren't there for your children, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and you really, 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 really asked him to forgive you and you really repented of your sins, then that part of your life has been crucified and buried. Don't put a shovel in your hand. Amen? Amen? Don't keep asking God for something you've already done. What's that? Unbelief. Tonight's topic was supposed to be the three things. Let me see what it is. The three, three things that stop your harvest. Fear, unbelief, and disobedience. We'll be talking about that a lot more next week. We act as if we can do all this in five seconds. True repentance is a true turning away from something. Amen. So, so you have to sit there and look at your situation. So, so I'm just going to talk about yours for a second because this is your first Tuesday night. <laughs> Hopefully this will bring you back and maybe it'll do the opposite, but that's between you and God. So, is, are, so you're trying, is it that you want to get in graduate school or the finances for graduate school? Uh, both, but mainly get in. To get in. Okay. And did you apply to more than one graduate school? Okay, well, number one. <laughs> the application process hasn't been good. Okay. So, so, if, so first you need to seek the Lord. Lord, you know, you know what you have for my life. You know what, not necessarily what your mom has said or somebody prophesied over you, okay? What does God have for you? Not that your mom didn't say the right things, you weren't prophesied the right things. I'm just saying I mean, everybody's kid would be, you know, Billy Graham or something, you know what I'm saying, or T.D. Jakes or whatever. But <laughs> sometimes I'm on that. I don't want that. I want my kids to be what God wants them to be. Amen? I'm excited to watch what unfolds in their life. We kind of have pretty many people in the church. Amen? It'd be nice to see God out there glorifying people everywhere they are. So, so I'm just saying. So the first thing is to really get before the Lord and say, Lord, open. Okay. Thank you, Lord. There's a scripture that says, okay, and I believe this. You got to believe this, though. I believe this for my life. No man can close a door that God opens for me. 
and no door can open for me that God has closed. Okay, so you need to go over anything, and I'm not saying this is in your situation, but if there's any lies about, well, you're not smart enough, or because you're black, or because you're a woman, or because you're not a woman, or because you're a man, whatever. If there's any lies that have been planted in your heart as to why God couldn't open the right door for you, okay? You go and dig those up. You know what's funny? What? I'm going to PT. Well, I want to go to PT school. And you talked all the time today. What's PT school? Physical therapy. <laughs> then you can come back and yank my arm back that way. <laughs> Let me show you some things, lady. <laughs> Do the circle thing. Hold the weight. <laughs> That's cool. But... See, you didn't even need to do anything. We'd come and listen one time. But, but you see what I'm saying, though? Get before the Lord. I'm not saying that's in, in but you, you really have to say, Lord, what's been planted in me by the enemy or even by well-meaning people, that's not your will. Amen? I never went to Bible school. I never had even a small idea that I would be doing this ever at all, not even Neither did my husband. Not at all. None. Nada. Not, not even. Then I meet people from my past that I used to try to rescue all the time. The drug addicts and all I used to hang out with, but I didn't do drugs. I was rescuing everybody. And they're like, we knew you'd be a preacher. I'm like, you're kidding. They're like, no, we just knew you'd be a preacher. I'm thinking, wow, I didn't even go to church back then enough to know how to preach. But it was, in, it was already in my heart. God had already placed it there. And so, so a big thing is to find out, Lord, what it is. And then get, get that scripture, really find that scripture about open and believe it. Begin to, to begin to say it over your life. And when you, when you go to fill out those applications, you say that and you mean it. God, only you can open this door if it's the door you have for me and only you can close it if it's not what you have for me. So I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to blame somebody else. I'm going to trust you. And you got to get to a place of faith. Amen. Faith is meaning it. I know only God can open and close doors for me. Amen? I really know that. So, so I don't worry. So if I don't get the invitation to go speak here or do something, Lord, you're doing that. So show, show me what you want. Okay? And so, so you've got to really take that time to really hang out with God some and talk about these things and look at what, what lies could have been planted in me. I mean, it could be something, it could be something, you, you know, some mean person said like, well, you never amount to anything. Well, get, forgive them and go speak what God says. I mean, I had someone speaking over my life saying girls don't need to go to college. I'm an old generation, okay? Girls don't need to go to college. I never once in my life thought I wasn't going to go to college. I didn't make straight A's for nothing. Well, I'm just making straight A's because I just want to have fun. I don't. I'm like, what? Well, you know, and I got a scholarship and then I got student loans, which I gladly paid. I'm the one who wanted the loans. I'm the one who should have to pay the loans. It doesn't even make sense to me for anybody thinking that they get a loan so they can get a better life and a better career and a better job and somebody else should pay those. Go live in Florida. They have free college if you're good enough or move to Canada. But anyhow, but in Canada, you don't get to pick what you want to be. I had a friend who really wanted to be a doctor. He went through a lot of things in medical school and stuff. I mean, through some miracles. 
And then the government told him, no, he had to be a landscaper and would only let him go to college to be a landscaper. So don't act like socialism is good, people. You want to be a doctor and you end up having to plant flowers because who? Because somebody decides. you. Okay, so that's the whole idea. Somebody thinks they're smarter than, than you or God. But anyway, so <clears throat> that's just their culture. They're like, okay. Anyway, um, but just ask the Lord. Lord, you know how to make a way. You know how to make a way where there is no way. Can I say this? If you can qualify for grants and if you can qualify for scholarships, and I don't care, it's, maybe it's not fair how they do that sometime, but if you're one that qualifies, go for it and then use it for God's glory. Nothing worse than the people, and I know some, who'll go and take all that government money and never do a single thing with it and end up on um, barely getting by their whole life. And the person I'm talking about is white, just so you know if you, ca if you don't care or care, all right? Because they're like, ooh, get rid of stereotypes, amen. But it's like, wow, somebody paid that money. <laughs> I think it came out of my husband's, <laughs> my husband's, my husband's check, amen. I don't mind paying for stuff if people at least use it for, you know, to, to, to be productive, Amen. That's supposed to be the idea behind it, but then you put government in there and you can forget anything about productivity at that point. Can I get an amen? It's true, but just go for it. Amen, just go for it. And, um, and be excited and apply for more than one. You know, pray for the, the admission, what it is, whatever it is you gotta pay. And then where you, if the grades you have before aren't the greatest of great, then spend some time with God and ask God if there were things you could have done to have those grades better. And if God shows you some of those things, I'm not saying I don't know anything about you. I've never talked to you. But I'm just saying in general. You know what I'm saying though? Then you sit down, God, and you know, Lord, I should not have uh, spent as much time doing that. I should have then applied myself more because I really realize this is what I really want. So Lord, please forgive me. And Lord, give me an opportunity to prove that I will apply myself. Amen. And then you get serious about this stuff. And then, okay, ready for this is the good one. After you get all these things right, you spend time with God and it's sincere. Then when you fill out those forms, you recognize who your daddy is and you got favor. I expect to get the jobs. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you know who my dad is? <laughs> Even the kings and presidents have to bow their knee to my dad. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you. But you have to really know that. So if you really know that, Lord, I'm going to have favor. But you also have to then give him, put your whole heart into it to glorify him. As I said, if you didn't do that before, because maybe school was way too fun, then just spend a little time getting that right, all right? Because <laughs> you want to do that. You really want to go anywhere where the enemy's going, no, 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 no. They're going to look at this and say, oh, no, no. No, God, you know, I plead the blood over that. I thank you for that. God is amazing, amen? God is amazing. And, and, um, and forgiveness is real, amen? Repentance is powerful. Does anybody else get it? Nobody else on the planet gets to repent except Christians. 
Nobody else can have a do-over, really a do-over except Christians. Nobody else can have God work things where you get things nobody else can get. You just have no idea of the favor God will give you in stuff that seems impossible. I've watched him and watched him. We should not be sitting in this building. We were told absolutely we couldn't buy this building. Then we were told we couldn't do the parking lot. And then we were told, and God, I, I watched God literally move into situations and make the person totally forget what they were going to write negative about why we couldn't get something and totally change subjects mid-sentence and totally forget and, and not put that on the paperwork. And I remember an engineer who went in with me who doesn't usually like their clients to go in with them. And they left going, I've never seen anything like that before. I've never seen anything like that before. Holy Spirit was all in that room and totally changed the direction of the no and gave us a yes. And I said, yeah, that's why I had to go. I didn't want to go. I hate those boring meetings. God said, would you go? No, God didn't say, would you go? God says, you're going. You're going. Same thing when we took the money to India to get an orphanage. I said, can I just send it with Thad and Caleb and Matt? And Lord goes, no, you're going. I said, you know, I don't like that travel. <laughs> and we had to kind of get through the back way and hope they didn't stop us from going in. The guy, I don't know if it was that time, but one time the guy right in front of us, they would not let him in. After all that travel, you don't have an airline ticket back yet. You, the way we do it, they can say no when we get there. So they ask you questions. So I won't lie, so I sent somebody else ahead of me. You go live for us. By the time I get there, you've already told them all the lies, and I can just walk in. Work great. Anyway, I'm laughing like, you lied, you lied. <laughs> they didn't ask me anything. Come on in. I'm like, thank you. Anyway, so you have to believe God for favor. You have to see what he's doing. You have to count it all joy, okay? So, so just to show you real fast, just quick, because Satan was ugly enough to freeze my shoulder, ho! already tonight I was able to break through for a lot of you to start to see how to really do this. Amen? Now, God didn't do this to my shoulder so I could do this because I could have preached this without that, Okay? So don't get the two confused. Just don't go all the way one side of the picture or the other. Oh, he's just going to heal about. Oh, he's just, just believe, believe, believe. Faith is awesome. It's only one spiritual law. It's only one spiritual law. There's hundreds, if not thousands of spiritual laws. And only the Holy Spirit knows what they are. And only the Holy Spirit can teach you. And actually, you cannot open God's word and, and read even hardly a paragraph and not find a spiritual law. Amen? And so he is going to show you the way. The key is, and we're going to get in groups. We don't have real long. It's already 9 o'clock. The key is, though, you've got to right now decide to count it joy. If you're not counting it joy, you're not in the right race. So we're going to get in groups for about 15 or 20 minutes. And everybody go around in the group and talk about how do we get this to a place of counting it joy. All right? Now, if you love this teaching, and you better say you love this teaching, then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us. 
come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.